This week's major spoilers podcast goes out to the following fine and faithful spoilerites. Robert Graham Jamel, Joel Whitlin, Jesse Ayers, Tyler Gibson. <laughs> Why did I slip on that one? Richard Cockerice, Matthew Goins, Shana Martin, Ian Hamilton, Antonio Juan Suarez Colon, Kate Dodd Daring Heineson. That's a good one. Too. Matt Verlinden, Nicole Gross, Derek Chen, Casey Bax, Bo King, Adam Mickelson, Jacqueline Coffey, Ingrid Lindjohn, Justin Norris, Kara Mosier, Pierce Richards, Joseph Smith, Sean Engard, and Sim Lee Chuan. Fine and faithful spoiler rights all, and this one goes out to each and every one of them. The Major Spoilers podcast covers news, reviews, and of course, spoilers, and goes into details about the topics discussed. So if you haven't read, listened, or watched the items we talk about, you might want to come back later. I'm Matthew. I'm Rodrigo. And I'm Steven, and you're listening to the Major Spoilers podcast, the podcast for pop culture and comic fans. In this Issue in the great hall of the MSP stand assembled four of the world's greatest nerds. His life is like a hurricane, race cars, lasers, aeroplanes. He is Uncle Schleicher. It was a time of darkness, a time of fear. It was the age of Rodrigoyles. Matthew is the code name for America's daring, partially trained special missions force. My purpose, to make sure you know how to pronounce Constantine. But due to absence, the part of Zack will be played by a cardboard cutout of Jokey Smurf. It's all right, though. We'll all be voiced by Frank Welker as the Major Spoilers podcast takes to the air. Welcome to issue 556 of the Major Spoilers podcast. Thank you for downloading. Thank you for listening to this free podcast. And thank you for sharing this podcast with a friend. I hope you will find some good information contained inside and that we bring you a little bit of laughter, a little bit of information, a little bit of news. Rodrigo is back this week. I am. Man, it's been like a month since you've been on the show. Yeah, pretty much. How was your vacation? Our vacation was good. Um, got to spend a lot of time with the family. Got to hang out with friends. So that was good times. Um but uh, getting back from vacation was difficult. Oh, yeah, yeah. You got laid up, didn't you? Yeah, I, uh, I got... Polar Vortex. Yeah, the polar, that, that polar Vortex. Well, the Polar Vortex delayed my all of my flights for two days, right? So I was supposed to be back, like, uh, last Monday. And they were like, up oh, Polar Vortex, you will get you out on Wednesday. And then I got stuck at the airport. Like, I, then I got stuck in Chicago. Like, after... The flights had resumed. I got stuck there, and I think it was technical issues more so than weather, but I'm sure the weather didn't help. Yeah. Uh, Rodrigo goes into a whole lot more detail about his trip back and his stay in Chicago for multiple days. In the most recent uh, Major Spoilers VIP live chat, you can find the archive of that over at members.majorspoilers.com. And uh, this episode of the Major Spoilers podcast is brought to you by Amazon.com. All you need to do is head over to Majorspoilers.com if you're looking to buy something from Amazon. Click on that Amazon banner, buy, buy, buy away, and a little bit comes back our way to keep what we do. Keep what we do doing. There we go. How's <laughs> that for doing? Everything that we do, we be we doing do that thanks do to that you. So well. Hey, check this out. Yes. Michael Douglas is Hank Pym. What? Wow. So uh, we've known for, I don't know, a couple of weeks, maybe a month. I think it's before Christmas, maybe right after the new year. I would say a month. Yeah, that uh, Paul Rudd would be playing Ant-Man in the upcoming Ant-Man movie directed by uh, Edgar Wright. Mm-hmm. But Marvel was real careful for the last several months 
never to say who Ant-Man was, right? No time, because, you know, the question was, well, is Ant-Man responsible for the creation of Ultron? No, Ant-Man is not responsible for the creation of Ultron in the upcoming Avengers versus Ultron movie. Well, is Ant-Man Hank Pym? Mm -hmm. We're not telling. But they finally uh-huh. did tell. They finally did tell in a uh, USA Today story uh, this week where they announced that Michael Douglas will play Hank Pym, but not Ant-Man, which means that Paul Rudd will be playing um, what's his face? The other guy, uh, Scott Lang. Well, we're assuming that it's Scott Lang, right? I mean, this could be Either Scott Lang or uh, Eric O'Grady. Okay. So who are the two different guys? Scott Lang was a criminal who broke into Hank Pym's lab circa 1979 and stole the Ant-Man gear while Hank himself was busy being yellow jacket. Okay. Eric O'Grady was a shield agent circa 2004 who stole his Ant-Man suit from shield uh, it was one that Giant Man, well, at that time, Giant Man, Hank Pym, had made for S.H.I.E.L.D.'s use, and he basically stole it and became, mm, I don't want to say a superhero per se, because he was more of a douchebag, but mm. so I wonder he, was, then, he was the incorrigible Ant-Man for reasons which should be obvious if you read that he was a So I wonder then which one it will be, because I just assume that, oh, Paul Rudd's going to be Scott Lang, but maybe he won't be, maybe he'll be O'Grady. It's hard to say. It's the Scott Lang would be an interesting fit in that he is the most, ironically, the most overtly heroic in terms of modern interpretations of the Ant-Man. Right. He is the one whose daughter was stature of the Young Avengers. He croaked during uh, Avengers Disassembled around 03 mm-hmm. and was dead for a while and then came back a couple of years ago in Avengers Children's Crusade and is currently floating around as, I believe, the active Ant-Man. Because Eric O'Grady became the Black Ant and I think was murdered in an issue of Secret Avengers. Mm. Whereas Hank himself has been just running around as Hank, the leader of Avengers. Aye. That was that was kind of a wasted opportunity. If you have an agent of S.H.I.E.L.D. who has Ant-Man power, shouldn't he be Army Ant? Yeah, or the thing that I loved was uh, the initial thing that Hank wanted to call him, G.I. Ant-Man. Right, that's why, that's why I always joke about Giant Man, right? Yeah, right. yeah. G.I. Ant-Man had the ability to shrink and grow. Yeah, yeah, oh, there yeah. you go. Which I think is a great kind of well, thing. Now, they didn't say necessarily that Ant-Man ties into, um, into the Avengers, the upcoming Avengers movie, but it might. It mm-hmm. would make more sense if it was the O'Grady character because of the involvement with S.H.I.E.L.D. as opposed to somebody who stole a suit. Right. From Hank Pym 20 years I mean, ago. Who it, knows? I mean, it, it, it could go the either existence, way. The existence of S.H.I.E.L.D. already in the movie franchise um, facilitates that. But that doesn't necessarily mean that it makes more sense. And remember, right. we're dealing with a universe apart unto itself. Yes. It is similar to the ultimate universe, but right. different enough. I mean, Somebody, the Falcon is supposed to be an agent. Here, here's the... Here's the interesting thing. Well, yeah, we do know that he is in uh, the upcoming uh, Captain America Winter Soldier movie. Here's the interesting thing. I was notified this through a fast blast email from Variety. Uh, I subscribed to Variety, and so I got it right away. And the title of their headline was Michael Douglas to play villain in Marvel's Ant-Man. And then the story went on to talk about him playing Hank Pym, along with uh, this quote from uh, Kevin uh, Fiji or Fiji. Mm -hmm. Um, I think it's I say Fiji. And or beige, maybe or beige. beige. But here's the interesting: when you clicked on that article and you went to the website, they had changed the headline. 
So the question is, is Michael Douglas, is Hank Pym playing a bad guy? We've been told that Ant-Man does not create Ultron. But does Hank Pym create Ultron? I think I think I think the the I think what this says to us is whoever's writing for Variety doesn't know. No, they comics. probably don't know either. Yeah, um, yeah. I, I I I would imagine it's like they they did a quick look and were like, oh, Hank Hank Pym, who's that? Tick, 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 guy who villain. beats up his wife. Oh, he must be a villain. Right? Ugh, why? Well, I'm just I'm just saying this listen, is this I is the sort of thing that come this sort of thing comes up a lot. It does, and even though Matthew, you'll say, oh, well, he only hit his wife once. Oh, um, Spider-Man has hit his wife twice, and Hank's wife has is actually more powerful than him. And I know that shouldn't matter, but then again, I guess they retcon Spider-Man. Well, the 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 thing is, uh, and this is a this is a relevant conversation for for Ant-Man, sure. and for for Hank Pym or Pym or whatever. Um, it's it's interesting because uh, these are the sorts of things that stick to a character that. Uh, um, writers choose to focus on and really because um, uh, I would say because what's his face? Uh, Michael Douglas. Mark, Mill- Mark oh. Miller. No, Mark Miller yeah. decided to include that abusive aspect in the Ultimates. Right. That has really stuck to the public consciousness because right. uh, Matthew's right. Uh, almost every Marvel and probably DC superhero have at some point slapped their girlfriend um, or a child, or done something like that's weirdly inappropriate. If you go yeah. back to Silver Age and granted Silver Age, right, Silver exactly, Age issues exactly. of Fantastic Four, Reed Richards is constantly threatened to SWAT or spank Sue. Right. And right. I think in several situations, clearly did. Yeah, I, I mean, don't... you know, Hawkeye slapped somebody, um, Reed Richards has slapped Sue Storm before, like, uh, but as the as time passes and people look back at it, they're like, oh, well, those were the morals of the times. Our heroes don't do that anymore. Mm-hmm. But in order to create that drama, that is something that they left for Ant-Man and something that has come to really color the character. Mm-hmm. Um, well, and, you know, unfortunately, the minute that this news broke, you know, Twitter lit up with everybody saying, well, uh, the reason why the um, – Michael Douglas isn't playing Ant-Man is because Hank Pym is a, is a wife beater. And everybody kept pointing back uh, to that one incident. And it's like, well, I, you know, granted, most of the people I follow on Twitter are comic book people. But I'm wondering if somewhere that didn't color the decision to name, Absolutely. you know, move the name of the character one place to the other. I will not say this very often, faithful spoiler rights, but Stephen is 120 percent absolutely right here. You, 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 you nailed it. I mean, people's expectations of a character become barnacles on that character. It's the whole thing about Aquaman. In order to get Aquaman back in the public consciousness as a decent hero, they had to literally go in and subvert everything that we knew about him because the joke was Aquaman talks to fish. So yeah. Jeff Johns had to go and specifically metatextually and textually address that. And say that joke's no longer funny. I'm Aquaman and I'm badass. Right. And when it comes to a, a, a movie like this, the baggage of being the superhero who beats his wife, they don't have room in an ensemble piece that already has eight heroes in it to take the time to rehab that character. 
even if you give him his own movie, I don't think they have in two hours time to introduce, explain and rehab that character. Right. So I think yeah. taking that second Ant-Man option, whichever my, one they choose. My hope is that they saw the inherent potential in this pairing um, and they are actually and somebody somebody on our uh, on our website uh, responded to the announcement with this. And I think it's a great idea and I hope that's the way they do it, that they're setting up a Batman Beyond situation yeah. where you have an older, more experienced guy who can't go out on the field anymore. And then you have the young guy who, you know, is a hotshot. He steals the the experimental suit and goes out and fights crime. And then eventually they team up and they use each other's uh, abilities. And you can do that um, because at this rate, we were, we're not going to get a Firestorm movie for 375 years. <laughs> well, and somebody asked me today who knew about it, isn't uh, Kirk Douglas's son, what's his name? Mike Douglas. Michael Douglas. Isn't he a little old to play a superhero? To which I responded, Iron Man is 49. Right. Uh, Nick Fury is 70. I think, you know, Michael Michael Douglas at 68, 67, whatever he is, I think that he is he is exactly at the right age to fit into this universe and be a believable elder statesman type character or crazy Doc Brown scientist. Oh, man, like if a, he were if he were a crazy oh, evil scientist that was creating Ultrons. Yeah. Oh, man, that would be that Scotty, would be very interesting to deal with. Scotty, it's your ants. The, the other thing is that because um, of that kind of damaged reputation, really kind of in a lot of ways purposefully damaged reputation that Ant-Man has, it allows you to have a character in this movie that is in, that that operates in shades of gray, right? As opposed to right. because uh, if if you see this movie and Hank Pym turns out to be a bastard, nobody's going to say, hey, you're sullying the good name of, you know, because. Yeah, yeah. Because most people already perceive him that way. Yep. So it's a good opportunity to have a guy that maybe creates Ultron, Ultron for the right, wrong reasons. You know, that sort of thing is like, I've decided to help humanity through eugenics kind of thing, you know, like that (laughs) sort of thing. Yeah. Yeah, And the thing that's really fascinating about this is when you say, oh, they're they're doing, you know, uh, an Ant-Man. I don't necessarily immediately go to, and I probably should because of Marvel's things, but I don't necessarily go to an Ant-Man movie as being a big star kind of picture. We're talking about a man who has two Academy Awards, you know, Golden Globes and Emmys and just all sorts of stuff coming out of his butt. Michael Douglas is kind of a big name, well-respected oh, yeah. presence. Well, they also, they also have Robert Redford in um, Captain America Winter Soldier, and he doesn't necessarily play somebody who's totally on the level. So using a big name that, you know, man, I watched, what was it, about six months ago, I watched uh, Once Upon a Time in America. And if you've ever seen that movie, you know that Henry Fonda can play a mean SOB. Oh, yes. And so seeing Michael Douglas or seeing Robert Redford take on the bad guy role is certainly a switch from uh, yeah. roles that we've seen him in before. Although Michael Douglas has been a, been a prick in many of his movies sure. uh, for years. So it's not that much of a change for him. Greed is good. Steve. Yes, Greed exactly. There's another rumor that basically is, I think debunked, but I did want to yes. address it this week because uh, I'm sure someone's going to say, well, how come you didn't talk about Johnny Depp and Dr. Strange? Uh, Latino, it's been debunked. Well, Latino Review ran a report that said that um, Johnny Depp had met with Marvel to discuss the Doctor Strange property and Depp playing 
Doctor Strange, um, a number of different sites uh, ran it and then backed out saying, oh, no, no, we can't confirm. And um, um, Hollywood Reporter, Hollywood Reporter said that there were that there were no talks for Doctor Strange with Depp, although they did say later in, in some other tweet uh, from one of these people that uh, Depp did meet with Marvel, but not to talk about Doctor Strange. So I don't know what's going on. It's just a for mess. High fives. Yeah, just for high fives. Um, I they think, wanted to talk about the Lone Ranger. I think Johnny Depp as uh, Doctor Strange is an interesting choice, but um, who knows? If this comes out to be a fact, at least we discussed it here briefly. But right well, now, when it's a wild, crazy rumor, we generally don't talk about it. It's probably a fact. But think about this. Doctor Strange is supposed to be weird and ethereal and full of, of, of arcane knowledge and, and strangeness. Mm-hmm. I, I can see Johnny. I can, too. If you've ever seen um, – what the frick was the movie that he was in? Um, Finding with, Neverland. No, 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 no. It's Everything else. <laughs> let me find it here real quick. It's – what is it? The Ninth Gate, I think. I've seen that. One. If you haven't I've seen, seen the it, Seventh Seal, I've seen the Sixth Sense. I, I'm pretty sure yeah. it's the Ninth Gate. This would have been one from the Fifth Element. Yeah, oh. the Fourth Kind. <laughs> yeah, the Ninth Gate from 1999. If you go and see a picture of him in that with his little goatee and mustache, he could he has a good passing resemblance for uh, for Doctor Strange. Oh, sure, sure. Yeah. So I could see that, but we'll wait until there's something confirmed, and then we will talk about it in depth. They- Beethoven the third. There you go. Beethoven's second movement. Um, yeah. Somebody pointed something out today on Twitter that I think is probably my takeaway from this. And I don't remember. I think it may have been um, Mighty God King. But the the expectation that I have from this is in this tweet. He said, think about this. If you're mad about the Ant-Man news, these people have already made you care about an Ant-Man movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, I mean, that's the point. There actually is one more little, or maybe not little, but there's one more issue that goes along with this, and that's the fact that we have not heard anything about the Wasp, right? Right. The Wasp being, you know, founding member of the Avengers, you know, very important uh, canonically to Mm -hmm. the comic. Right. Um, Where does that put Jan Van Dyne if uh, Michael Douglas is playing Ant-Man? Or I'm sorry, if, he, if he's playing Hank Pym, right? I mean, right. That, that we have not heard anything about it, and it kind of complicates where you can put that character in that context. Well, and this is, this is again, Silver Age knowledge, which may or may not be actually useful to us anymore. Theirs has always been, from the beginning, a May-December romance. I want to say he was in his early 30s, and she was supposed to be a 19-year-old heiress. Who felt yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, if he's, if Michael Douglas is 70, you take 20 off that, that's almost half. You know, you could have somebody in there. I, I still love the people who keep saying it has to be Lucy Liu. I'm like, why would it, why <laughs> it would it have to be have? Lucy Liu? Well, I think that, people that would be, be great. That would be great if they did cast Lucy Liu yeah, because that's literally a joke in the Ultimates. Right, right. Yes, that she, she's Asian. Yeah, that, that they would, yeah, that they would cast Lucy Liu because she's Asian. Right. right. Which um, I think is brilliant. Yeah, I don't know. I don't. I guess part of me wants to get real cynical and say, "Oh, well, that means you're going to have to build a female action figure, and female action figures don't sell because boys don't buy girl toys." Um, That's not true. No, I'm just saying this is uh, the crazy talk that comes out of Hollywood. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. why put why put a you know why put her in the movie if you don't have to? 
I can really honestly see some boardroom executive oh, sure. saying, well, girl, they already have a girl. Right. Why, why, yeah, we already why, have why, a why? girl. Why do we need another one? Yes, exactly. Which uh, I think is really ridiculous. Is, it's a, it's a, we're already giving them too much credit that they even considered <laughs> something that wasn't a white male in this movie. Well, There's actually nothing but white men. I, it I turns mentioned... out that the Wasp will be played by Johnny Depp. That's what they were, <laughs> That's what they were talking about. Yeah. Um, what is the, uh, I've mentioned this one be before that years and years ago when they were first ramping up for the first Avengers movie and people were wondering if the wasp was going to play in there then, uh, that there were talks or actually there weren't talks. Eva Longoria had met with, um, Marvel studios. I had heard that. And I don't know if they will ev would ever consider re, uh, examining that. But I know that this was several years ago that she had talks with them. So who knows? That would be nice. And I, she did walk out of the uh, building with uh, many Avengers comic books under her, her hand. Maybe she's going to play Captain Marvel. Yes, maybe yeah. she will be playing Doctor Strange. Uh, hey, you know what? The girl, like, if they just change the name to Sorcery, Sorcerer Supreme, again, I think that Marvel continually, both Marvel and DC, continually miss the ball in, or uh, drop the ball, I guess. Um, I guess if it's a baseball metaphor, then they could miss the ball. Um, they they drop the ball probably. in uh, not having their their big major minority character. I mean, you could the the Doctor Strange movie could just be called Sorcerer Supreme, and you could just have the Brother Voodoo character never call him Brother Voodoo, mm -hmm. and actually and actually just have a black dude. Yeah, right. Throw in your Idris Elba. Everybody wants Idris Elba. Right? Didn't he play Heimdall? He played Heimdall yeah. in uh, Thor. In Thor. Yeah. My problem is I, I don't confuse the actors if I look at them, but the names of the actors get conflated in my head. Idris Elba and Mr. Echo from Lost. I think his name is Adewale Akine something. Yeah, yeah. Mr. Echo. It's something. Yeah. yeah. I, I look at that that name and I'm like, wait, okay, which name is attached? And it's one of those things. Where I mean, I get uh, Daisy Fuentes and Mandy Patinkin confused. <laughs> yes. That that happens. I, you know, I think having going back to the discussion about Janet, I think that would be an interesting character for them to include. And if they don't, I think that'll be a real disservice to the history of Ant-Man. Um, but, man, I can just see a million ways that they screw this up. Oh, you know, sure. Sure. There's more ways for them. To, as, as we have seen with superhero movies throughout history, there are yes. more ways to screw them up than to do them right. See, I, if I if I'm going to have a if I'm going to have Janet and I'm going to have Wasp in my movie. I need her to be a strong hero, right? right. I don't need her to be a, a a Betty over on the side, being the one that calms down the 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 raging Hulk, right? Right. I don't need her to just be this you know side character that has no real point in the story. The Wasp character has to be strong and integral if they're going to include her. And if they so, can't make it a strong character, there's no reason to include her in the movie. To, to a large degree, I would say that in general, this Ant-Man movie is itself already a missed opportunity because they could have just had a Wasp movie mm -hmm. because now now what's going to happen? They're going to have this movie and they're going to say, well, we can't have the Wasp because their powers are too similar to Ant-Man. Right. So, right. So we'll have so Ant-Man and the Wasp in the second yeah. issue. You know who would be great? Throw in some Spider-Woman. Give me some, you know, Eva Longoria as Spider Woman. Yeah, you think you think Spider Woman is um, outside of the contract for probably probably not. I would be. I surprised. don't know. Spider Woman is not specifically a Spider Man supporting character. 
Right, right. Um, not the way, you know, She-Hulk is kind of part of the Hulk's cast. Spider-Woman is a separate character. She, yeah. again, yeah. I can, I mean, I can, I can, definitely, no I can definitely see that argument if they have to make it. But I would be very surprised if Spider-Woman wasn't just included in that bundle with, you know, all of Spider-Man's villains and Madame Web and uh, Teenage. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Spider-Girl. All right, listeners, we want you to head over to Majorspoilers.com. Use the comment section. Share your thoughts about this news about Michael Douglas as Hank Pym. You can use the comment section of this podcast to share your thoughts about um, the wasp and her role in this movie if she if she needs to be you know what let's run over to um and i'm not saying she doesn't need to be i'm just saying that some people will say there's no reason for it other people's will i just want to look at see yeah they've only got two cast members listed right now they haven't listed anyone else for ant-man they've only it's got paul rudd and, and they do list and they do list paul rudd as scott lang on the imdb page oh thank you imdb yeah, so oh. that that puts a little twist on. But again, IMDb early rumor, um, it, you know that could change. Yeah, is IMDb open sourced? It is. If you have some way in, you can change. So I guess it's not open, open. But I'd, for example, like if you are if, if you are Paul Rudd's agent, you can actually go in and change that page. Yeah, I'd like to know if when they added uh, Hank Pym as a separate character what Paul Rudd's credit might have read before this announcement. It, it was probably made. wasn't there. I don't think they have a, let's see if there's a tracking thing on here. No, it would be interesting. Yeah. If you could look and say, if anyway, he was him until they made the, announcement. I still am going to make the argument that, uh, it'll be interesting to, uh, to have Marvel come out and say, but Hank Pym has always been in our Avengers movies. Yeah. I think that'd be really cool. Uh, he's three feet tall. He was the uh, one yeah. playing Galaga. Yeah. It's or like all, yes, or all yeah, plot Paul. holes, all plot holes that you find in the Avengers movie. You're yes. like, how did they get from back? And there's back, they're back so fast. Ant Man, yeah, exactly. I think that's the best Ant answer. Man. That'd be so funny, and it'd be. I, I'm trying to. I was looking at. I was on the IMDb because I was looking at Edgar Wright and Matthew and I may have already talked about this. And listeners, if we did, I'm sorry. Um, but I was trying to look and see if most of his movies are generally comedies, generally light generally intense and they tend to be on the lighter side well he's kind of an action he's become kind of an action comedy yeah. guy yeah yeah, yeah. I mean, he did he did you know hot fuzz and end of the world right right yeah and, that um, other and he also scott did scott pilgrim. pilgrim and grindhouse he did the uh, fake trailer there um so it was just so did right up his alley with a shotgun? no he didn't um it would be so funny for him to just put Ant-Man in all the Avengers scenes. I just think that would be wonderful. But it might think, get old after a bit, but who knows. No, you um, can do like a Rosencrantz and Guildenstern are dead thing where yeah, yeah, yeah. you explain who Hank Pym is by having him, you know, Rosencrantz oh, yeah, do his the, way through the background. Yeah, in the opening uh, credits or whatever. That'd be kind of cool. Yeah. Um, so head over to Majorspoilers.com, share your thoughts on that. Uh, Ant-Man, things are starting to get interesting in that. I know there was some other Marvel news this week. We'll get to that later in the show. Other Marvel If news. you're over at the Major Spoilers website, or if you're over at YouTube, go look us up, Major Spoilers Video, and check out the Zach Plays Video Games series. I think last, most recently he played Walking Dead Part 4 or 5 or 6. I forget what chapter he's up to. What but he's having a lot of fun with that. I, uh, it's Steam. It's on his PC. So oh, so he's using his PC. Okay, yeah, I wasn't yeah. sure if he had taken a side in the console wars. No, and I, in the console wars, I end up 
remaining neutral because I bought plat- both platforms. So that's not neutral. Sure, it that's is. In- that's indecisive. <laughs> Let us get to some that. reviews. Reviews. So, uh, Matthew, interesting yes. comment comic out last week. Yes. I think there's one a week for the for the next couple of weeks. Yes. Um, Dynamite Entertainment has taken their properties and uh, reduced they, them. They they have. So instead of Vampirella, we get Lil Vampy. <laughs> this is just has. I don't it, know. Uh, let me hear your review because this just has wrong it, written all it over it. Now, uh, one of the alternate covers is done by Art Baltazar, mm-hmm. uh, who is known for a, a similar style of work on what the Tiny Titans and the he, other things. He's doing them on all the little yeah. titles. Alternate. Yeah. Uh, Little Vampy, number one, written by Eric Troutman, who I remember uh, hysterically as taking over Checkmate from uh, Greg Rucka back in the day. So I'm like, Eric Troutman is the guy that I think of as, you know, complicated chess pieces political thriller guys mm-hmm. and some really lovely art by agnes garbowska so we start basically with just here we are we're in mid-story if you know who vampirella is vampirella is if you're old like me an alien from the planet draculon if you're younger a vampire who has vampiric powers and in her regular dynamite series she's a paranormal investigator this series picks up from that point with one exception. When you're nine years old and you say, I'm a paranormal investigator, all the other kids point and laugh. So she's, you know, a little girl in the small town of Stoker, Maine, population boring. And the first half of the issue is really kind of cute. Walking home from school, Vampirella has had a bad day and she's kind of stalking and trying to, you know, get past the fact that the cool kids pointed at her and the mailman was goofy. And as soon as she walks away from anyone, strange things happen. The mean girl from school walks past and turns into a mummy. The mailman turns into a Cthulhu headed freak. And as she's walking in the background, you see these horrible monstrosities in every corner, but she doesn't see them because she's stalking home from work or from school rather. And it's kind of fun. We get home, of course, and we find that Vampy lives with her mom. And I'm not sure how that works, to be frank with you. But her mom is basically kind of a a grown-up Vampirella-looking character. And it feels very much like a 70s Archie comic Mm. with undertones of horror to it. Sort of a horror comedy story. Uh, The bottom quarter of each page is dedicated to the adventures of Pantha, who in this continuity is her pet cat, which I think is kind of cool if you remember what Pantha looked like in the 90s. But it turns out that things are happening weird because back in the day, an evil necromancer decided that it was a shame that people were illiterate in Sumeria and so translated the Necronomicon into pictorial form. (laughs) Nah. So basically, it's the Necronomicon in comic book form. <laughs> and of course, the mystery is what has happened and who is doing this. And can Vampirella use her knowledge as a paranormal investigator to overcome the possessed denizens of her hometown and also save the day? The The comic book thing is a nice meta joke for me. And there's a couple of you know bits where the villain is also a kid. And he loves this book because it's a comic book. Her boyfriend has been transformed, or the boy that she has a crush on 
who is the same character, I believe, from her regular series, Adam Van Helsing, mm-hmm. a, a familiar name. I have to say, I did not expect to like this as much as I did. The art is wonderfully consistent. It's cartoony, but not necessarily a, a Bigfoot Don Martin cartoony. It's cartoony in sort of a... Not even in the Tiny Titans style, because the Tiny Titans style feels a little more... What's the word I'm looking for? Uh, rough-hewn, like it might have been drawn by a child. This feels like, you know, full-scale professional work, only they're using little chibi versions of the character. Right. Now, this, uh, this uh, from what I've seen, really gave me a, kind of a Lilo and Stitch vibe. Yes, that's an excellent comparison. I would say that's an entirely accurate vibe here. And when you get into the story, and you get especially towards the end of the story, it kind of wraps up in a very satisfying way, which I didn't expect either. I expected it to be a comedic blow-off at the end. But there's some nice little single-panel gags, and there's some moments in here that are really clever. And as the story ends, she's saved the day! And also really hasn't turned anybody back to normal so the whole town is waving goodbye in a friendly smile and they're all still horrible cthuloid monstrosities which i think is kind of neat um i'm gonna go with three and a half slices of meatloaf little vampy number one this was an enjoyable book this was a book that surprised me in being more enjoyable than i thought it would be just on the on the maybe even the possibly a train wreck level this is not a train wreck this is really a good story it's a decent book Excellent. That's a little vampy out last week from Dynamite Entertainment. This week is, uh, I forget which little title is coming out this week. Is it, is it little, little Sonia? Uh, let me look here real quick. I um, want to say it's Little Sonia this week, but I may be this. Little Battlestar Galactica. <laughs> <laughs> New school or old school? I don't know. I don't have the uh, cover with me. It's just Little Battlestar Galactica. Just to see little chibi uh, Cylons running around. Yeah. Yeah. Oh man, I'm in. Okay. So this is kind of like Mars Attacks Popeye. You have to read. Yes, kind of. Yeah, I think. Yeah, yeah. Maybe you're right. Maybe I'll give this a chance because when I first heard it, I was like, "Oh, this is just a disaster waiting." This to happen. could be awful. Yeah. Okay. So this week for me, I picked up uh, Egos Number One. It's brand new from Image Comics. Uh, what's really cool about this, or what's really remarkable about this, is this is a story that's set in the far future where people have intergalactic travel and they have a team of superheroes that basically are the police force. Um, and what they do that's really interesting is they tell you about this universe by shoving it all into the background. So it's just you know, talk about hyperspace travel and who these heroes were and what they did and the problems that they've had in the past are all just presented really kind of subtly to where you get a real feel for how this universe works. And I think that's really neat. What's unremarkable about Egos number one is it is just like every dysfunctional superhero team that you've ever read. Uh, This story takes place years and years and years after the Egos, the Earth Gov, um, I forget what they're, uh, officers, or I'm sorry, Earth Galactic Operatives is what EGO stands for. Uh, we find out uh, years and years ago how they put a stop basically to all crime in their galactic sector, and then they broke up. They all had their own issues and went upon their own ways, and now it looks like one of their big bads is back, and they uh, the remaining members have to get back together with a younger group and 
I would say hilarity ensues, but it doesn't quite, it's not quite that. Um, essentially, people have ego problems in this book, which is probably why it's got the dual, dual title. Um, I'm not going to give away the ending of this issue because it's a really huge spoiler and it ties back into um, one of the main character's backstories. She's I, actually in a village. Well, what I find is interesting is that the story is narrated by the drugged out son of the leader of the egos. Oh, which is really kind of clever. He's he's uh, hanging out at uh, at some college or university. Uh, First person narration. Yeah, kind of. Yeah. And you don't know until you get to this one shot of him hanging out in the dorm room and it says, you know, Cannon College Hourglass Nebula. There's this dude sitting around in his underwear with a bong. And then just in the in the caption balloon, it just says, this is me. And then it just quickly moves on to tell the rest of the story. It's it's rather fascinating, I think, from that story perspective. The group dynamic part I have the biggest problem with, because, again, if you've seen or listened to us review many of the other team books that are not the Legion of Superheroes or the Justice League or the X-Men or the Avengers. All those problems persist in this book with the, the dysfunction of the team. Uh, maybe they should read the book, The Five Dysfunctions of a Team. Um I'm interested enough that I do want to read the second issue just to see how they deal with the cliffhanger at the end of this issue. But my overall outlook for a long-term project is not good. This is probably a five or six issue run. I don't know what it's slated for. It's by Stuart Moore and Gus Storms. The art is really kind of pretty in places. It has kind of a, um, a cross vibe between invincible when he's out in space and, um, Oh, I, I, um, Whoever's doing the art on Manhattan Projects, um, it's kind of a cross between those two styles. It's a good book. I was just a little disappointed that, oh, here we go. Everybody has their ego problems, and it's going to be the problem with the team. So I'm going to give this one three slices of meatloaf. I was hoping for a little bit more, but I'm okay with what I got, and I think most people will enjoy it as well. Ego's number one out this week from Image Comics. Rodrigo, is Rodrigo still there? Yep. Tell us about Kiss Me Satan number five. <laughs> Kiss Me Satan number five. The last issue uh, of this arc, if, I don't remember if this is a limited series or not, but this is the last issue of this story. Okay. Um, so uh, if you've been following Kiss Me Satan, uh, it's and the story. You? And why would you not? Uh, right. This I, Again, up until like, up until last issue, I was like, I had not made up my mind as to whether they were playing this book straight or not. Like, I was like, it's like the hero is like this, like, oh, I'm such a badass. I escaped from hell. Oh, look at me. I'm so cool. <laughs> Do you think like, oh, clearly this is just like a very juvenile book. Yeah, right. we, I've seen lots of stuff like this. But then they fight like zombie ninjas and stuff yeah, like yeah. that, where it's like. Where, where, like, it seems that it's that 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 juvenile stuff is dialed up so hard. You're like, oh, well, this whole thing's tongue in cheek. But then you go back to like conversations between the characters. And you're like, wait, 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 wait. Is this for real again? I don't, I don't get it. Um, which brings us to the final issue, and I am sad to report that I never figured it out. Oh no. <laughs> um, 
because basically the last badass moment is so badass. Um, yeah. So over so, the top. It's so angsty oh. that it kind of makes me want to think that the whole thing was on purpose, which then like kind of downgrades the book or, or like the whole thing, like the, the, the thing seeming ju- really juvenile was unintentional is what I'm saying. So it kind of like downgrades the entire run of the book in in my eyes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so really, this issue is kind of just a uh, a like the, the 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 final moment of the story for me, in which I can say, "Well, that sure was a thing." Um, <laughs> so uh, not to give too many spoilers, but uh, you know, this the uh, our main characters being pursued by the werewolf mafia and the agents from hell and a a crazy wizard and it all just kind of everything just kind of turns into a giant cluster uh monster um and uh bullets fly and people turn in in, like claws and teeth and stuff like that and then uh, when the dust settles um we get to see what happened to a little baby which is what uh, this whole thing was about in the end um, again, I don't want to spoil it because, you know, people have been... I'm, can I, I'm can sure. I ask you this? Is sure. the baby the chosen one? No, actually... And again, that's another thing where, like, in fact, the whole point is the baby is the not chosen one. Ah. Like, the baby becomes an issue because he's supposed to take over the werewolf mob, mm. but he's not born with the mark of the werewolf, so he's not going to be a werewolf. So he got a little and, 666 tattooed beyond his left ear. I don't remember exactly what it, it is. It actually oh. says 999. Go, <laughs> oh, go he's find German. Kid with six, he's six, German. Six with a line under it. So. Um, so the whole thing is they they're gonna kill the like the the werewolves are going to have like this big revolution because he's the boss's baby and he can't continue to run the pack if he's not a werewolf. So that's that's kind of what originates all that stuff, but. By the end, you find out that Heaven does have some kind of eye on the kid and they're like interested or something. So, again, it's like it's cool. And then it's like they bring it back to like more of a um, what I want to say, like more of a tropey kind of mainstream idea. And that that seems to happen a lot. I'm going to give this issue. The art is fine. The art is is, is uh, good enough. Their werewolves are cool looking. I don't have a problem with it. Um, so I'm going to give this one two and a half slices of meatloaf, which I think is generally, um, slightly lower than what I've been giving Kiss Me Satan, but not, not too far off. I just, um, all around, I was waiting for something else. And when the, when the moment of truth came, it has a, a very kind of, um, you're not... That I'm not trapped in here with them. They're trapped in here with me kind of moment. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which which made me go, meh. Because, again, there's individually, there's moments, there's a lot of moments in this book, in this run, that are very cool just kind of to, to pick out as, as, as standalone moments. Um, but when put all together, I get the sense that it was just like brief moments of brilliance and what is generally a pretty kind of, Raw, shoot, 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 bang, bang. Look at how cool my character is. Oh, yeah. Okay, cool. So would you recommend if someone said, hey, Rodrigo, would you recommend that I get this trade paperback at Kiss Me Satan? 
Uh, I think if you like if you like movies like The Transporter, um, or if you're a fan of kind of a like the more nonsensical like I want to say '80s Ghost Rider stories, mm, mm-hmm. then then yes, then yes, you should get it. Um, otherwise, if you are looking for a mystical thriller, or if you're looking for something that doesn't have Captain Testosterone as a main character, then no. Okay, cool. Um, thank you for that. That's from Dark Horse Comics out this week. Zach is not here, as we mentioned. He has got basketball tonight. Rodrigo is phoning it in from home, uh, not because he just got off the plane, but because um, because he had... Because he had work to do tonight, and um, there are ways that you can help us out. One of them is by using or going out and checking out a pair of tweaked audio headphones from our friends at tweakedaudio.com. A lot of different styles, a lot of different colors. I don't go anywhere without my tweaked audio headphones. I was so worried that I was going to lose them in Las Vegas uh, when I was there last week, that I, and I wouldn't be able to experience the great sound and the functionality of these, uh, of these headphones. Fortunately, the only thing Steven lost in Vegas was his shirt. Yes, and that was really uh, bad for the casino because I had to walk around with my moobs hanging out for a couple yeah. hours. <laughs> He's got the moobs like Jeff. <laughs> um, the other thing that I liked about these tweaked audio headphones is that they're longer than maybe your traditional headphones. So if you're out exercising or walking or doing whatever that you're doing, you can have your mp3 player your cell phone whatever in your pocket and there's still plenty of room for those cables to go all the way up to your ears without causing any interference or or tangling or anything like that i really like them a lot you should uh, go check them out at tweakedaudio.com um the best part is if you're checking out you when you make your purchase when you check out use the code major and get 33 percent off your purchase that's at tweakedaudio.com what do we want to do let's take a quick break We've got some phone calls from people. When we come back, we'll do our poll of the week, and then we'll get into some other uh, topic points. I'd mentioned some Marvel um, moments, just uh, some other Marvel stories. We'll get to those in just a moment, so stick around. We'll be right back. Hi, Major Spoilers. It's Pierce calling from Vancouver, Canada, and I just wanted to uh, phone and point out something interesting that I found on the site. Uh, First off, uh, congratulations on the new layout. It looks awesome, and uh, a lot of the new features are really cool. But one cool thing is, cool, I guess, in retrospect, is if you you can sort the posts by most commented. And if you do that, you come across a post that Stephen made in October of 2007, where he said that he was stopping major spoilers and shutting the site down. So uh, I guess on behalf of everybody who started looking at the site after this and you know your decision to keep going and make everything as awesome as you have uh thank you very much because uh you know if you hadn't done it i don't know uh you know where i'd be getting all of my awesome comics news and pop culture stuff from so yes uh thanks for not shutting the site down steven <laughs> bye hey major spoilers this is blue yonder i wanted to uh chime in on the star wars uh thing uh i'm a huge dark horse fan so i'm sorry to see them lose star wars but i'm a huge marvel fan so i'm kind of glad to see them gain star wars what i'm interested in is though is how the star wars universe gets developed from here on out because you may have to check this with rodrigo uh because i know he's read the expanded universe too 
But it seemed to me the expanded universe had a huge disconnect with the comic books. Like, the, the comic books never really had a lot of the material the expanded universe had. Uh, like, the, the, the use and Vong that showed up in the New Jedi Order and wiped the floor with everyone, they didn't show up in the comics. Um, Jaina Solo and Jack and Solo and all those, you know, the children of Han Solo, they never really showed up in the comics much either. So it seemed like uh, the comic books never really never really got the full expanded universe like the uh, like the books did. And they just kept releasing book after book. And at the end of it all, I ended up feeling about the expanded universe like Matthew feels about the New 52. So you can see why I'm anxious for a fresh start. So I'll stop rambling, but that's just my two cents. I'm hoping that uh, Marvel and Disney keep the you know the Star Wars universe all under the same uh, all over several franchises books comics and video games that I'm anxious to see what they do even though I love Dark Horse. Uh, congratulations with all your success in 2013, and I can't wait to hear more. Bye. Thank you for those phone calls, and thank you for the well wishes, and thank you for the compliments from everybody on the new look of the Major Spoilers website. Uh, we put a lot of work into it. We hope you like it. Uh, I really like it because not only can you sort it by comment or anything like that, you can also go into the uh, comic book mini site where all the reviews yes. are housed and you can see what the, uh, what you, the viewer or the, the reader think about comics and what are the top ranked user rated comics. So, so far this year or so far in January, the top, um, user rated comics are the retro review of Sandman number 13, letter 44, number three. Avengers World number one. Uh, those are the top three. And the more that you that, per- go ahead. That Sandman story is pretty phenomenal. Yeah, it is really good. Um, what you guys should do is really participate in reading those reviews. There's a bunch of them up on the site today. I think yes. today we got uh, Gutter Magic number one, Drumheller number three, uh, Department of Monsterology number four, uh, Adventure Time, the flip side. I don't know what that's about. Stormwatch 27, which Matthew didn't care too much for. I believe the flip side is the story of uh, the gender-swapped Fiona and Cake. Oh, okay. Cool. Which I want to read. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, who who read that like one? That. I think that was Eric, or um, no, Elijah, Elijah read that, reviewed that one. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, oh, I should point out that uh, Jason Inman, who does our Jason Reads comics video every Friday, is now a regular writer for the site. He will be Jason. writing reviews every week for us. Cool. And so we welcome him aboard too. So check he him has out. A great name for clapping during uh, wrestling matches too, because you go Jason Inman, which you can't do with the rest of the writers. Yeah, you can. Matthew Peterson, doesn't work. Rodrigo Lopez. See, you're messing up the cadence. Steven like Schleicher were, works. Steven yeah, Schleicher. Steven Schleicher does. It would be like if you said "Poll of the Week." See, it doesn't work. So we just got we just got uh, a message down from corporate. They love this poll of the week. So uh, we need to do that from now on, guys. <laughs> <laughs> and by corporate, he means the robot overlord. <laughs> so and, and um, by message, he means shock through the electric. This was actually this, this was actually a poll we were going to have up. Oh, after our Doctor Who uh, yeah. marathon thing was going on. Um, 
many people know our good friend Thomas Perkins. We've had him on the show. He's done a lot of art for us. He's the one that designed all the characters for our Critical Hit t-shirts. If you're not familiar with Critical Hit, you might want to go check it out. It's a Dungeons & Dragons real play podcast that uh, is really in-depth and involved, and you will get carried away in the story as much as the players have. Um, But Thomas and I were talking back... Back in October, I, I think it was, uh, right after the uh, Beware the Batman was put on the indefinite hiatus. Um, he's starting to do some 3D work, and he knows some 3D animator guys. And uh, I've been wanting to do some stuff with um, those rapid prototyping desktop you know, 3D printers. And uh, the place that I work has a giant-sized one of these things. The RPDT 3DT? Yes, uh, the XYZ WTBS. Um, WTF. So here's the thing. We've got access to some really great modelers. In fact, even before Thomas hooked, uh, hooked me up with the guys that he's working with, there's a guy that I've been talking with that has did all the um, the character modeling for Injustice Gods Among Us. Um, and we have access to a 3D printer. Do you that see where I'm we going? Make, we could make corn. <laughs> we can't make corn. Why we are not? not? We are Do not quite. Render, we are not you know, quite it, in Star Trek: The Next Generation universe but yet. You could put on your Doctor Weird hat and your big uh, bubble top. And How you, about this? How about gentlemen, this, gentlemen? Rodrigo, maybe you I can give you corn. <laughs> Rodrigo, maybe you can point us in the right direction. Let's see. We've got the guy who's the artist for our critical hit uh, characters. We've right. got access to some great 3D modelers. And we have access to a 3D printer. Uh-huh. We should 3D print Rodrigo's face. I was going to say, my, my, my guess was corn, so Matthew kind of beat me to it. Oh, you guys. <laughs> Sorry, I didn't mean to steal you. Who wants a critical hit statue? That's the question this week. Ooh, that's a better idea than corn. What I'm thinking is um, we want to test this out, and obviously these will not be high print runs. So if you're thinking we're going to do 500 to 1,000 of these, nope. We're going to do something really small, really low. And depending on who we who we go with with this, um, we may be limited to however many people pre-order. Uh, my idea is that eventually, if we did all the characters from Critical Hit, that they would all have interlocking bases. That's kind of one of the things that you see oh, in a lot of the statues these days. That would be neat. Which I think is really cool. But what I want to do is I want to start off with a bang, and I want to find out what people, what statue people are most interested in. Uh, and whether they, you know, which one they're most interested in. So that is the major spoilers poll of the week this week. Um, I voted for Torque. I I honestly think that if you're going to go with as complex a statue as you can, that is a well-liked character. Uh, I I think Torque would be the first one. And the way that I see everything interconnecting, it's almost the central hub for all the other statues. Um, these won't be in the same poses that you see, on the t-shirts. These will they be in, in different all poses. Those couldn't be. No, they yeah, wouldn't. Seeing as how those would be impossible in a statue. Or something yeah. Else. Yeah. Um, with it flying around, but, uh, you know, the costume design, the look, the feel and all of that would be, would be there, uh, as we move forward. Uh, Rodrigo, which statue would you like to see, or which character would you like to see in statue form first? Oh, uh, that's, that is a difficult question for me. Cause I really like, uh, obviously really like all the characters. I think I would like, for the first one, I'd like to see an Orem. Uh, you know, um, I had thought about that, and a lot of people would be like, but Steven, you didn't even vote for your own character? 
Originally, I mean, and I'm thinking just of popularity because that's where you're going to get things sold. Sure, um, sure. I originally, and if you look at the poll of the week pictures, um, the pictures are arranged in the order that we met our characters. Mm-hmm. So originally I would have gone with an Orem figure first, followed by Torque, followed by Randus, followed by Ket, followed by Trell in that order. Um, but I'm not the one that's going to be buying these, right? Well, I'm sure at some point I'll be shelling out a lot of money to get these made. <laughs> Um, but You'll I'm not the one buying it. <laughs> yes, I'll, I'll be keeping, hopefully, <laughs> not 500 Orem statues on the shelf for 20 years. Yep. Um, but yeah, that's the one that I would have, I mean, if I were going to go in character appearance order, that's the one I would have gone with. But uh, but I don't know. And certainly the poll of the week is playing, uh, playing that out as Orem is not the most in-demand character. What about you, uh, Matthew? Well, I went into this trying not to play favorites because Torque is a character that is largely of my making and input. And that's of course, you know, with the collaboration of Rodrigo and all the other players, because no character exists in a vacuum. So I looked at it and I'm like, Randis has got that cool arm and he's got the cool goggles and Ket's kind of, you know, Sean Gunner bastard kind of thing. Trell is a gorgeous design. I love Adriana's design. And I look at Orem and I'm like, I can see where an Orem figure wouldn't necessarily be my favorite, but if I'm going to get everybody, you got to have Orm. I mean, that's that's like Super Friends figures without Batman. Mm-hmm. You got to have the Orm, even if you don't care for the Batman. Well, and I'm not saying that these won't be made, but in no, order no, no, to certainly. in order to judge this company that yep. I'm looking at, um, and I'm not going to give their name, but they're the ones that have done the Atomic Robo statues mm-hmm. that uh, that D Brian continually tries to steal from a house. Every time he's over here and they're the ones that did the Wapsie square statues. And the way that they work is they take pre-orders on the statues. So we'll send them a prototype and they'll do everything up. And then, um, the only, when they go into production is they'll say, okay, we have to get this many of this, this one sold or else we don't make it. So if we can start out with a figure that's the strongest and say, right, look where we're going, they're going to be more likely to say, okay, let's do all these other ones. Where if you start out with a character that's weak, I don't know, Ket, um, (laughs) if you start out with a a character like Orem who doesn't have as many votes in the poll of the week and you only sell 20 of those, the company is going to be less inclined to go with the next product that you're putting out. And I looked at it and it's like, I have one character who's beautiful and one character who's super keen and one character who's Sean Connery and one character who has gorgeous flowing golden locks. And then I have, you know, the big dork that I created. And I said, well, they're all equal. Yeah. So then I said, I, I have to play favorites and I voted for Dork. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, so one person down in the comment section says, you mean I've only got to pick one? Why can't you release all of them in a set? It's just going to be way too expensive. I mean, um, some of these costs are going to be, and I don't know, I'm not going to tell you what a quote price is, but they yeah. could go anywhere from $35 for small for a small figure all the way up to $400 for the size that, that I want to do. Right. Um, and it's, and, it's I, and we're not going to sell them if we've only got 400 My guess is if I've got to put a run limit on these, they'll probably be limited to 100 150 and there's a similar thing you run into, you know, I, I really want a set of all six of the oh, so do I. action figures, which are similar. Yeah, so do I. You get it. But the thing is, Blow them up the fire when they got to the end of the print run, everybody was like, we bought this one. And then they bought fewer of this one. And they bought fewer right. of that one. And, I, you know, you get to the last ones and they're like $150 each. Right. I don't want that. No. Yeah. I, yeah, yeah. 
you know, if we were to do it all as a set, I think the price point would actually probably be more than if you were to release them individually. I, I think it would be too. I think it would be too. And depending on what the materials are, and there's some other people that we can go to and approach for statues. Um, sure. I don't know what um, I don't know what our friend Chinbeard um, Bill Duran does. He he's got punished props. He makes some awesome uh, props. I just got a, a Skyrim priest mask from him this week that uh, I was I we were at Las Vegas hanging out together. And I was like, Oh, you know, I ordered one of your masks. I said, I sure wish you had a tutorial on how to, how to uh, paint this and do it right. He goes, Steven, I'm going to make you a, a custom Skyrim mask. And he went and molded it and painted it and threw in all this little copper, copper particles wow. into, into the paint, into the resin as it was being put together and then uh, aged it. So it looks like it's, uh, you know, been sitting out in the rain for years. Really cool. And I don't know if he would be able to do a uh, statue workforce in, in uh, a resin, um, Can he make me some polyfoam torque horns? I'm sure he could. I want some. Awesome. So like, I don't, you know, there are a lot of different things that can happen with this right now. We're just trying to see, yeah. uh, because there will be an initial investment of monies that I have to put in because our modeler needs to be paid. Uh, Thomas designed the characters. There's some licensing fees that we have to pay him. Um, all of those kinds of things. So, um, you know, I want to make sure that if we're going to do this, that we get some bang for our buck out of it. Right. All, all above board and awesome and straight. Yep. How has the uh, nation voted so far? Well, so far, in order of appearance, let's go in reverse order. Of yeah, appearance. Let's, yeah. Now let's go just let's go from best to worst. All right, best to worst. Yeah, two hundred and thirty-three votes in the hole. Yeah. at thirty-eight percent right now, our leader is Torque. Yeah, at thirty-eight percent of the vote, which is what like seven. Yeah, I don't uh, know. Math is hard. Thirty percent. Bringing up a very close race, mm-hmm. and I mean, it's a super close race. Randus, yep, not surprising given his popularity. Right, uh, I am surprised by our number three Trell. Yeah, she came 14%. up. Uh, she's jumped up a lot in, the, in uh, this afternoon. Yeah, earlier today and, she was much lower, about six percent. Yeah, that's because Trell fans aren't morning people, so they just <laughs> saw the, they just saw the poll. And my surprise is not because Trell isn't an awesome character, but because you know when I think who. Gain who joined the group last. I'm going to think people have the least attraction to that. Right, 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 right. Connection. Mm-hmm. I'm clearly wrong. Uh, coming up after him, Cat. Yeah. Or after her, rather, Cat at 10% of the vote. Cat also a later addition to the group, although the original group member, Orem, at 8%. <laughs> well, and this is the thing, though. Even 8%, that's 25, 20 yeah. people. You know, when you look at the number of votes that we have, and this is only your the Orem first day. Fans, yeah. Your Orem fans are morning people. Right. So at 4.45 tomorrow, they're going to come in and, oh, we need to start voting while we're brushing our long, silky locks. So what is that? Uh, 70 people so far have voted for Torque. So mm-hmm. we'd probably need a, a lot more people. And then, you know, we would want a commitment from people to buy to yeah. buy these figures. And then we can do the maths going down uh, from now there. These are, they're going to be, you said, poly. I don't know what they're going to be made of. They could be polystone. They could be, they could be, um, they they could be the, the PVC plastic or whatever it is that you use to make your, your modeled objects. They could just be the, uh, we could just, if the detail is good enough, I could just pull them off the 3d printer and say, that's what we're selling. So I don't know. It will have to see what, what costs are and how it breaks down. Like you remember the erasers that they had when we were kids? (laughs) I don't think we'll be doing erasers. I don't think we'll do that. It was good enough for Dynaman. Yeah, I don't know about that. I don't I know about that. When um, I was a kid, I had an F4 Phantom eraser that I loved more than most. Oh, yeah, yeah. I had, I had a set of those, too. 
Oh, Granted, never, I didn't this is, again, this is just us gathering data. So I'm not saying that this is going to happen. I would like to see it happen this year. The information gathering phase. Yeah, yeah. This is this is the first phase. And then first there'll be the modeling phase, then the rapid prototyping phase, then the tweaking phase, then the, oh my God, it's going to cost us that much phase. And then uh, we'll move on from there. I've been wanting oh, to good. get a desk. I want to get a, one of those desktop 3D printers, man. They're coming down in price. Originally, the, uh, what is it? The, uh, I want to say it's the X2 um, 3D printer. Mm-hmm. One of my coworkers' sons has one. Yeah. And, um, and it's great. MakerBot, that's the one I'm thinking of. I want to get me what a MakerBot. Of, what kind of paper do you put in that? You don't. Uh, you put in uh, uh, ABS or uh, PVC plastic coils. Like a- block or no 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 it's in a it's in a um like in a string it's like a rope it's a real thin like i want to say maybe eighth inch uh-huh. and you, it feeds it in and then what it does is in the nozzle it melts it down and then it moves across this metal tray kind of like um well kind of like a kind of like a printer you know like your yeah. uh your your color printer and layer by layer it just builds up the uh, builds up the model that you're making. Are, are they solid or they can be hollow? completely solid or you can make them hollow. Most people will suggest that you make them hollow uh, because you don't use as much plastic, plastic. Yeah. Uh, makes them lighter too. Now uh, at CES this year, and they've had these out for, uh, for a couple of years. Um, but people are like printing shoes on these. Oh. Um, there was a doctor who just uh, in the last year uh, uh, used the 3d printer to rapid prototype a 3d hip that they put into somebody uh, um, and stuff. So the one that I'm looking at, I think is the, yeah, the, the MakerBot replicator two X. So what does it cost to get like a, a, I don't know, a printer cartridge or whatever you call it. Uh, The plastic is, is, uh, the, the pieces are relatively inexpensive. That's the, the inexpensive piece. They're about 40 to a hundred dollars a piece, depending on the color that you're getting and, and what you have. And, and the, 3D printers themselves have a couple of different varieties. You can do a single color, meaning you've only got one nozzle and one color, or you can do some stuff that has multiple colors together. So I could get, like, uh, if we were doing torque, for example, I could get a, a blue and a gray, and as it's printing out the model, certain areas of the model would be blue and certain areas would be gray, and it's all combined into one piece. Um, the cost of these are really coming down. The, the, the MakerBot uh, Replicator 2X is just under $3,000 right now. Uh, wow. But they've got some other ones that are coming up that are bigger. Um, the MakerBot Replicated Z18 looks like it could probably do a full Iron Man mask in it. So let's say I wanted my uh, Dragon Ranger Green Ranger helmet. Yes, I think the, for, for my head. Right. Uh, I think and I'm, I'm looking at the MakerBot site now because this one's coming out in the spring of 2014. Uh, this one says ideal 3D printer for your extra large heads. The massive build volume is, is this really true? Holy crap. Are you saying that I have an extra large? No, head? no, no. I'm saying this is, this is how oh, big okay. the printing printing area is. 12 inches long by 12 inches wide by 18 inches high. That's the largest that Holy you can make moly. with. So 12 by 12 by 18. That's how big you can do it. And like I said, I think you could probably get a uh, Iron Man helmet or a, a, a Power Ranger helmet printed in this thing. The thing is, the the printer. Even my massive dome is <laughs> the printer is just under seven thousand dollars. So I wonder uh, if I can. What does it cost me to go buy a helmet? But even so, I 
this is a fascinating process to me. It is. It really is. And I've been following this for years. And like I said, my coworker's son has been into this for the last couple of years. He, I think, started getting really interested in it when he was in high school. And then uh, they bought one of the first MakerBots, the first version of the MakerBot for, um, and I think it was still in kit form back then, bought it for him for Christmas. And then he started giving all these, he's a physics student. And so he started giving all these physics talks uh, and demonstrations on how he uses this to build products and how it's useful for, you know, if you, if something in your car were to break, you could print out a replacement part for it. Um, nice. it it's really cool. And and if you guys, uh, I'm not want to be a shill for MakerBot uh, because there's the many uh, projects uh, and other companies out there that do this. I just saw a Kickstarter campaign for one that um, would do one basically on the X2 side size for about $1,500. Um, the X2, I'm not sure. What that that's means. the MakerBot X2 version. Okay. It prints out the things. X2 is, you know, the yeah, yeah. adventure. No, the, uh, the, uh, the 2X, I'm sorry. It'll print out wow. something. If we were to use that to print out these statues, they would probably be about four inches, five inches tall, maybe not even that much. So they'd be relatively small in that one. But could you imagine the MakerBot replicator Z18 and printing out a 12 inch tall, or I'm sorry, an 18 inch tall torque? And then a, um, what would it be? Probably about a 12 inch tall Orem mm -hmm. and at about, what does it be like a 13 or 14 inch tall Randus? I mean, it would be really cool to have if, those if in various would, sizes. Would approve the scale. He won't let Torque be as tall as I think. He <laughs> <laughs> He's all yeah, like, but no, you, you can't be seven feet tall. Everybody else describes their character as short. Right, right, right. So that, yeah. the, that, that scale would be fine because Torque is taller than normal mm -hmm. and everybody else is shorter than normal. Torque in my head, Torque is seven feet tall and seven feet wide. He's he's a cube. If anybody out there wants to uh to get me one of these MakerBot replicator Z18s, yes, I order will make it through sure. the Amazon link. No, you can't order it through the Amazon link. That's the problem. But if someone were wanting to get me one of these, uh, you would be you would get all the prototypes for all the statues. I'd print them out and send them to you for that for free. In exchange for one of these things. In exchange for $7,000. <laughs> we could even do like a, a full scale replica of my right foot, which is gorgeous. I mean, the thing, if you guys go and look, this is just, it's like I said, I've been following this for years. The things that they are making with these 3D printers are cool. Everything from art, you know, like conceptualized mathematical models, um, you know, uh, like Mobius uh, Tauruses that are twisting in on themselves and, you know, three way things. Mobius, that, right. Not necessarily the strip, but actually just um, there's like these Taurus rings. There's like a quad of them that twist all in onto themselves that on a computer you can make with ease. But it's not something that you can just really go out and create by taking a piece of paper and twisting it and gluing it together. But in the MakerBot, you can extrude this on your 3D printer and have it sitting out there. Like there's people building their glasses and clothing and replacement parts for it. I think it's awesome. Yeah, it I really awesome. think it's awesome. So. Um, yeah, enough about that. Um, uh, let's, let's but it's something to think about in the future and, and, uh, our discussion about statues. Sunglasses? Yeah, it could make frames for your sunglasses and it's not going to print out your glass, obviously, but it, it could make out the frames I'll, for you. I'll stick some glass in there and let it just do whatever it, the magic. It's all magic, right? Yes, it's all magic. This, all this 300 and, by 350 degrees worth world. of magic. Well, and this is this is early in the life of 3D printers. Obviously, eventually you might be able to do glass with them. 
You just yeah. have to, you know, heat it, it some sand or something. Yeah, it would have to be super hot in that case. Most of these things run about 350 degrees to melt this this plastic, these Dude, filaments. That, that'll cook a pizza. Yeah, well. If you um Frozen pizza, but still a pizza. What is it? What's um uh, Adam Savage and what is their freaking YouTube channel? Um uh, Myth something. No, 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 no. It's not it's not the Mythbusters. Um Food Guys. No, not Food Guys. Adam Sandler and and Rob Schneider? No, no, no. Adam Savage, the uh, guys from um, Mythbusters. 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 Their their web channel is <laughs> their channel on Mythbusters. Their channel <laughs> I'm on. Pretty sure that was Deavers. Yes, their YouTube channel is Tested. Uh, Jamie and Adams Tested, and they have a MakerBot. And every so often they'll say, "Okay, so and so sent us a model." We're going to print it out, and as it's printing, you try to guess what it is. And so you can see one of these things in sped-up action, uh, and it's really, really cool. I've been um, watching a, a particular scar of, of a certain shell who got his printer, and he's like, I printed this because I'm bored. And I'm like, God, I'm jealous. I know. It's really cool technology. Uh, uh, the other thing, if you, if you do follow Adam and you do follow Tested, they've got a build for next year's San Diego Comic-Con. I'll try to tie all this back into uh, get us back on topic. They are actually doing a life mask of Zoidberg from uh, Futurama. Hooray so for Zoidberg! They've modeled this thing out. It's really creepy looking to see it kind of in real life. Um, but they've, mo- they've got it built out. And now the next thing is they're casting the heads and then they're going to sculpt it up so that they get a mask that fits right onto their, to their heads. Then they're going to build the mask. Then they're going to paint it. And then whenever it comes to San Diego Comic-Con... Uh, Adam's going to be dressed up as, as Zoidberg and walk around um, the show floor. This past year, if you go in and watch their last year's channel, he dressed up as uh, Admiral Akbar, but like Victorian era Admiral Akbar, wow. if he were a captain of a, of a ship. And it's incredible to see that. Uh, so I'd encourage you to go and check that out. Nice. Yeah. Um, so there was some other Marvel news that came out this week. Uh, it turns out Peter Parker's coming back in April. What? Yeah. Peter Parker? But yeah. he's dead. That's what I thought too, remember? Doc Ock took over his head and, and killed, uh, killed his forever. killed his killed his ghost forever. And and squished him and yes. then, then stepped on the corpse. Yes. But he's coming back and, in April. Well. Which, you know, if you read the uh if you read the the series uh Superior Spider Man, you know that there's one of those uh Octobots that's running around that has the Parker consciousness in it. Is there? Well, uh, yeah, it's. Uh, we saw that. You and I have commented on it before when we were reading about the death of Peter Parker on Dueling Reviews, did, which did is we? another podcast <laughs> that you guys should really check out. Wow, um, I should listen to that one. Yeah, I you must, should probably pay attention. I wonder if recording. I'm fascinating. That's about a year ago. Um, oh, hell, I've slept since then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, there's been plenty of outs for Dan Slott to go in and bring Peter Parker back. I think the surprise for a lot of people, I think there's surprise for Marvel I think there's surprise for readers um, because for the readers, they're like, oh, yay, Peter Parker's coming back. I think the surprise for Marvel is, holy crap, a lot of people really liked Superior Spider-Man with Doc Ock. And so that kind of brings up the question, what do we do with Doc Ock Spider-Man? We don't know. Apparently this week in uh, Superior Spider-Man, the uh, first uh, steps in the return of Peter Parker appear. Uh, we Kyle Rayner him. Yeah, I he guess my eye on. I guess my question is: Is it too soon 
for Peter Parker to return? I wouldn't say so. I think that uh, it's been Superior what Spider Man is a Superior Spider Man is a very limited premise. It is. It's a closed ended premise, and I think yeah. they need to get out of it before the while the fans care about Superior Spider Man, right? They need to get out before it becomes an oh god, this is going on forever. Well, but Venom has is, been that way, right? I mean, Venom well, yeah, was but, a was a bad thing. And then they got rid of it, and now suddenly Venom is part of this Spider-Man family kind of thing. Well, and Venom is one of those. Venom is kind of a, a, a what they call in wrestling a tweener. Venom goes from hero to villain depending on the needs of the story mm. and who whom the symbiote is attached to. But if you look at the Spider-Man story specifically, they've broken it down to where the story beats make perfect sense if you're looking at it just from – the breakdown of a movie. This thing happens. Peter Parker's brain is taken over. Oh, wait, we have the, this moment. Oh, is Peter Parker? No, Dr. Octopus is squished him down forever. Yeah. And then you get a run of Dr. Octopus. You get like two acts of Dr. Octopus. You have to get out of a premise like this before it turns into the clone saga. Right. Or before it turns into the interminable wait between, and, and I'm going to call Marvel on this, between the death and the we all knew it was coming return of Captain America. You know, I didn't think, I mean, I may have joked before saying, oh, no, Peter Parker's never coming back. But I think everybody knew that Peter no, Parker we, was coming back. We, you said he would never, ever come back, ever. <laughs> no, I have, I, Peter Parker I will never come back. I think I said it I just like that, too. I go back and I can push the button and I can yeah. play it. So I think you can hear the sarcasm in my voice too. And it'll, you can, Matthew can go back and play it and it'll say, Hi, I'm Matthew Peterson and here are my thoughts on Superior Spider Man, which he doesn't remember at all. <laughs> That's right. So the question is here, here's the thing Is there a deadline? Is there a time limit or is there a timer that ticks from the time that the death occurs to the time that the character returns? Uh, for Peter Parker, it will be 13 months since his quote unquote death. Um, uh, for his, his death and return Superman with the uh, death and return of Superman. And I don't have the first date. I want to say it was, uh, fall Uh, May of 93. I want to say may have. Well, he returned in September of 93. The death of Superman happened in 1992. No, it didn't. The death of Superman is well, yeah, it's a 1992 comic street dated Uh, October, October of 1992. Weird. My brain sucks. Funeral okay. funeral for a friend, January 1993. Okay. Reign so of the Superman, yeah. October 93. The return of Superman, I guess it was the, would have been October of 93. So you're almost looking at just under a year for that. Right. Right. So that's about nine months. Yeah, let's right. see. October of 92 to October of 93. So that's 12 months. 12 months. Yeah. Okay. Um, Johnny Storm. Uh, Marvel had this big thing about let's kill a character a quarter. (laughs) They still do. They just don't talk. Who was the one this last quarter? I mean, Peter Parker, right? Who's the one this Uh, quarter? There have been deaths. Was there somebody that died in December? Wasn't there an X-Men who croaked recently? Oh, well, the ultimate universe, I suppose. Uh, The Black Ant. Uh, Johnny Storm went down in Fantastic Four 587, which was March of 11, and came back in Fantastic Four 600. Which, although it was 13 issues, was actually nine months later in January of 2012. Okay. What about Captain America? So Johnny Storm has nine months. Cap was out for almost two years. Uh, Captain America 25 would have been the spring of 2007. 
And then he didn't actually physically make a return until, well, he was the star of Captain America Reborn. Right. So I think that's when he made it back. And that was the fall of 2009. So that was actually a little more than two years, April Just of 2007 two years. to September of 2009. So it doesn't look like there's a doesn't look like there's a pattern, though, then. Right. I mean, I just thought maybe there was some formula that says, OK, we kill the character here. You've got 13 months to tell your story. And that's when he comes back. I think when it comes to comics, there's no formula. <laughs> but I think it's it's in each of these cases, it's what the what they felt was right within the story being told. I mean, yeah. When they had and we don't Bucky, know what that story is yet. We haven't gotten to it. True. When they had Bucky being Captain America, a lot of fans were impressed that they actually, you know, let that kid sidekick come back and be in the big suit you know how long was batman dead 12 minutes yeah, 12 minutes maybe i mean he, he was, was never he dead was, he, was he was traveling never back, back he was, time. Yes, he was traveling forward through time yes right batman was considered dead i guess for the better part no he long. wasn't because at the end of that series at the they had the epilogue where you were back in caveman days and there's batman believed to be dead sure. I guess. yeah uh but, rodrigo i i have a question well, maybe I question slipped my mind. Um, <laughs> crap it. <laughs> Had it all set up. Oh, nah, I can't remember it now. Wow. Dang it, that makes me mad. Anyway. Sudden, sudden amnesia. Sudden amnesia. Short-term memory. Wow, one that's those worse mini, than coming back from the dead. One of those mini condition. strokes. Now, I know that when it comes to, you know, comic books, uh, third cousin in terms of uh, soap, operas. soap operas. Yeah you generally see a run of about 16 to 18 months. And usually what that is, is either how long it takes for people to remember exactly what it looked like when you bring in the new John Black and claim that he's actually Roman Brady, or, you know, that's how long it takes for the actress to go out and find that she can't get any other roles. That's kind of mean. I don't want to you know, start, but God, you know, characters come and go uh, in live action as well, but I think in comic books there's a much greater temptation and a much greater expectation that a death will never, ever be you know solidly complete. A, yeah. a death is never final. In yeah. Comics. Well, and I think Rodrigo, we see that right. I mean, uh, we've seen Ben Riley, who's supposedly dead, yet it seems like eh, maybe every five to six years he pops up in a comic, either in a ghost form or a flashback Hi, form. Ben you know, same way with the Waynes, right? We did this whole um, um, the, the <laughs> owls thing, court of owls thing, and in those flashback stories, we see the Waynes alive. So even when they're dead, characters are still appearing in comics. Well, the Waynes and Uncle Ben, and well, to a lesser degree now, uh, either the father or mother of every DC hero, because you know Dan DeDio and Jeff Johns love Batman. Those characters are dead in many cases, as part of the backstory, as part of the premise. And it's kind of a different thing to say, you know, Bruce Wayne's parents died prior to his first appearance in Origin in 1939. That's one thing. It's another thing to say, you know, Jonathan Kent has died more than once during Superman's actual, you know, tenure as a hero. Right. He died, I think, once in the Silver Age once just recently and i think in the golden age he was presumed well and he he died during the uh, the death of superman thing right and yeah. well he died and came back he had a fatal heart attack and then they they miraculously 
brought him back from the dead as John Schneider. You, so. Rodrigo, you have some thoughts on this? Yeah, I mean, I think, I don't know that there's necessarily, well, there is a formula, and the formula is broader than when do you bring a character back. The formula itself is kill a character, wait a little bit, bring it back, right? And that's because people will buy into you killing a character, and then they will buy into you bringing the character back. Yeah, and that's why I was wondering if if there was a minimum that you go for, because if you had this... Hey, we killed him this month, and in three months he'll be back. Well, people won't buy into the hype and rush out and buy all of the Death of Spider-Man comics like they did. But you push it just long enough to where people are thinking, maybe this really is dead is dead. And then suddenly you announce he's returning, and suddenly sales spike back up again. Yeah, and and I think uh, if you look at it, obviously, I would say that uh, the death and return of Superman is... If not necessarily the originator, then the one that really cemented the trend. Right, right. Um, so I think we are seeing longer and longer time periods as, um, or, or progressively kind of on average longer time periods as uh, readers become more and more cynical about this whole thing. Mm. I, I'm wondering, you know, I, I, I just remembered my question. I'm wondering, um, The Amazing Spider-Man uh, number one comes out April 1st or 1st of April, somewhere around there, um, with Peter Parker as Spider-Man. In May, The Amazing Spider-Man 2 hits theaters. Synergy! I'm wondering, Rodrigo, and, and, and expand on this, do you think that perhaps the return of Peter Parker was rushed to coincide with the release of the movie? Oh, I wouldn't necessarily say that it was rushed. I think that comics are finally actually getting good about this actually lining things up like that. Um, I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, we've talked about before the fact that uh, while the first Iron Man movie came out, the the Tony Stark of the comics bore basically zero resemblance to that character. Um, So I think they're, they're, they're maybe starting to line that up a little more. No, I don't, I don't think it's a coincidence. Um, but also, I mean, I think it was it was obviously coming. It was gonna it was gonna happen relatively soon. Are you excited about this return of Peter Parker? No, I'm not. I haven't read Spider Man in like a decade. What probably. about you? What about you, Matthew? Um, no, because I don't necessarily get excited about plot points. I get excited about the execution thereof. I mean, if this is a wonderful kick butt story and it isn't drawn by Umberto Ramos and I love it. it. See right there, I'm going to go in and I'm going to go into Umberto Ramos. I don't care for his Spider-Man iteration. Right. I don't, you know, I don't like the stylization of the costume under his pen. Mm-hmm. It's probably something where even if it is wonderful, I'm going to have that issue. But I think more importantly, this is at the point where they're trying to get people excited and get people talking. And I think successfully, but this is also the point where I have a dual perspective as comic fan and sort of backseat comics professional is we're at the point now where they're talking about it. And then we'll get the previews in a week or three. Yeah, next week. That's, uh, yeah, the previews comes out. And the previews will have, oh, what could it be? And then, you know, a month from now, there'll be another leak. And the week that it comes out, there'll be a big press release. And it's to a point where three, four months in advance, I now know there will be no way to meet for me to be surprised by the return. Of Peter well, Parker. and, and Marvel sent out the press release just uh, yesterday about the return yeah. of Peter Parker in, April, uh, in with April, the creative team and all this stuff, but they don't, you know, they don't spill plot details. 
I wonder but though, that's the thing. you know, we expect the return of a character to happen relatively quickly in order to keep the brand on target and reader expectations uh, on target and all these kinds of things. Can you wait too long to bring a character back? And that plays into a DC related story that came out this week. Um, when the whole, who knows what was going on, trying to reboot the DC universe for the umpteenth time. And yeah. Jeff Johns being, you know, during the whole reorganization and Jeff Johns stepping in, he wanted to bring back Barry Allen. Barry Allen came back and Wally West in the DC new 52 quietly went away, just disappeared from existence and no one would ever talk about him. Um, and that upset a lot of people. And this has been what, uh, it's been more than two years yep. since he disappeared because I think he was, man, Barry was back even he before. Was off, he was off panel in 2012. Yeah, he was. Oh yeah. So it's been over, it's been over two years since, since Wally West has been gone. It may be even close to three years, but in the USA today that came out just uh, yesterday, depending on when you're listening, hello, future people, hello. uh, they had a piece on the flash and how this has to be the year of the flash if DC hopes to make properties of it and how the character suddenly has this um, n renewed interest, especially thanks to the appearance of Barry Allen in Arrow, um, the uh, upcoming spinoff television series, the inclusion in the Justice League. And then they had one little sentence. They were talking about the new creative team uh, for the Flash series. But then uh, and they were talking about April 21st or whatever it was. The sentence is, a week later, they reintroduce Wally West, another guy who has worn the Flash uh, togs into the DC Universe in Flash Annual number three. They said nothing else beyond that. DC has not said anything else uh, beyond that. But we do know that April 30th, 2014, we will get to see Wally West in the pages of Flash Annual number three. The question, though, I have is, is it too late to bring him back? Um, and, and the reason I say that is DC brought in a whole bunch of new readers into the new 52 when they rebranded and relaunched. And now you're introducing this flash that a lot of those readers have probably not seen or know about. Well, the, the, the problem we have with this question is I have to say no, simply because I don't believe that it's ever too late. Sure. I don't think that there is such a thing in speculative fiction or in any type of fiction as saying that something is 100% always too late. Now, I think that a lot of the Wally West fans are already alienated. Right. And, and something that is also worth pointing out is sales on some of the New 52 series are at the levels that they were pre-New 52 relaunch back right. at the point where, you know, the universe was considered floundering and struggling. Right. So I'm not entirely sure if we're dealing with an entirely new reading populace or not, or if it's to the point where we had some new people come in, everybody floated in, some people drifted out, some new, some old, but no, I don't think it's too late, but I think that DC hurts themselves in this particular capacity a lot. The Stephanie Brown situation. Yeah. That's the other character that I was going to bring up as well. The Stephanie Brown situation is one where they have in, I think, the intention was playfully tried to go, Oh, we don't like Stephanie Brown. Oh, we don't want, we don't like Wally West, but it has the tone of that kid in class who doesn't know that you're not best buddies mm. and you, you can't, you, you can't bust on him and he can't bust on you because you don't 
have the relationship established to where someone coming up and going, hey, Jack Wagon, nice hair. Yeah. If I get that from you, I'm going to go, whatever, Steve, shut up. But if I get that, you know, if I get that in the workplace from someone that I see only in the workplace, I'm going to have a different response. And I feel like they mean to be gently messing with us and saying, ha ha fans, we're, we're playing with you. See, we're, we're fans just like you. And we like to mess with your heads and we're, we're going to poke at you. But what it comes across as is the mean spirited providers of our stories are saying, we hate your character or we hate your, your Wally West. So mm-hmm. I think they've burned a lot of bridges by making such a big deal about the fact that they didn't, bring back Wally West and what's her face and, you know, other characters where they say, no, no, this, this uh, Aquaman's not married. La, 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 la. Rodrigo, do these kind of antics hurt the company though? Oh, absolutely. I think that, um, the, the answer to, can you wait too long to bring back a character is, is definitely yes. And the, when you ask, well, how long is it? It's, uh, however long it takes for the new character to take to mm-hmm. get its own fans. Mm-hmm. So anytime that they kill off um, Wally West and bring back another Flash and then they kill that guy off and then there's another Flash, like anytime that you give that new character time for people to like him, then you're going to alienate that character's fans when they inevitably bring back its predecessor, right? I mean, we saw it happen with, when they um, killed off the Atom mm-hmm. to bring back the original Atom. We right. saw it happen um, with with Batman a thousand times because they keep kind of uh, temporarily shoving other guys in there to play Batman. And it, it, it just takes that moment for somebody to be like, you know, I kind of do like uh, Dick Grayson as yeah, Batman yeah, or yeah. whatever. Mm-hmm. Brian Choi as the Atom mm-hmm. or anybody. Uh, Wally West as Flash. For them to be like, well, too bad. Here it is. So you just all you're doing is just alienating like just you are segmenting your audience and yes. guaranteeing that no two segments of your audience are going to be happy at the same time. DC has a real double-edged sword here because they have been publishing continuously since the Golden Age. They are the only publisher that has. You could make the argument of, oh, what about Marvel? Martin Goodman putting comic books out does not mean the Marvel Universe has been a semi-contiguous entity. So what you're looking at is a world where they have, at certain points in their history, decided to give the characters development to give them some age, to give them some depth. And at one point, in the 90s especially, they created the expectation that the DC universe is a place of legacy. Mm-hmm. You know, Kara Zor-El died in 1985. What? Say, yeah, they say Supergirl was dead from 1985 to 2004. Yeah. Point of order. Supergirl died in 1985. A new character, Matrix, was introduced in 1987. Matrix was subsumed in 1993 or 4 by Linda Danvers. Linda Danvers was Supergirl for a while until there was a character called Cyril around 2002. 
Cyril was around for a little bit until they brought back Kara Zor-El. Supergirl did not die. Kara Zor-El died. The Flash did not die. No, the character's been around. I mean, Wally West died. No, he didn't. He didn't die. That's the problem. Wally West. Yeah, Wally West grabbed his family and ran off into the the Speed Force, Force, right? And so we don't know what what's happened to him. So that's why I'm really interested. I'm really interested to see what they do with the Flash uh, with Wally West in this annual. Whether this will be a oh, if they did it so right. If they did it so so universe. right, that's the thing. The thing that the thing that is married. The thing that yes, that's part of it. The thing that really amazes me is that DC, when they did uh, fifty two, they brought back the multiverse, fifty two different worlds to explore, and they by when they relaunched, and I understand why they relaunched. Even though we have it Earth two, and even though we have is it Earth three? Is that the 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 Ultraman? Yes, uh, Earth. Now. Now that we have Earth 3, I think they're still missing a huge opportunity to explore all these other 52 worlds. But when they reintroduced the multiverse, they immediately introduced all of the problems yeah, that know. came with the multiverse. And in today's reading market, in today's comic book production uh, industry, for lack of a better word, the, the actual process by which a comic is put together... What would have taken, you know, a page and a half back in the day is actually deconstructed to an issue or two issues. But the passage of time in the real universe still affects things. It's the problem that I have with, like, you look at, say, the new 52 books. It doesn't feel like two years have gone by in the comics. Right. But we're making changes because two years have gone by for the creators and the fans. And we're already tired of some things. If you look at, even in the New 52, we have seen things like the Stormwatch, mm-hmm. complete reboot. Planetary. We've seen things, yeah, planetary. But if you look at Lobo, yeah. oh, wait, we re- we introduced Lobo, we reintroduced Lobo. We're now re-reintroducing Lobo because somebody came up with another idea. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We've gotten into that cycle of reboot, but the death of a character in the third iteration of the universe, because let's remember, Barry Allen died. In the pre-crisis DC right. universe. Right. That universe was rebooted in Crisis on Infinite Earths number 12 into a new universe. That universe was rebooted in Zero Hour into a new new universe. That universe was rebooted in 2000 and Fava Fav into the new 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 universe because Superboy punched time. That <laughs> universe has been erased <laughs> from the continuity and rebuilt as a whole new fresh universe circa 2011. Yeah. That's that's major retcons we're talking about. We're not even talking about things like trying to figure out the genealogy of a Hawkman. Yeah. Or trying- or how it's in, or how it's possible for Batman to have had seven sidekicks in the what? one year. Five years. Yeah. Well, and you know, training sessions just, you know, accidents happen. That's something that Works up to a point. I mean, you can leave things in subtext. You can say, was there ever a Wally West and never address it? Mm-hmm. But that's textually well, in you know, the comic. In this new 52, Wally West never existed, right? Right. So textually, we all know that Wally right. West did exist. Right. And we know that Dan DiDio and Jim Lee have made remarks about, tee we're not bringing back your you Wally know. West, you douchebag. Yeah, and that's the thing that bothers me the most is that, you know, if it's some great plan and if it is the greatest plan ever, then that is really good 
to take an animosity towards a character. And I'm not saying that that uh, any of the editors or writers have an animosity to Stephanie Brown, but they pretty much dumped all over her uh, as much as they could until they said, okay, fans, we'll put her in Smallville just so you'll shut up. You know, I mean, that to me, that goes back to the question I was asking earlier is, does this hurt the company when you pull these antics of, haha, we're going to kill Nightwing? Nope, we're not killing Nightwing. Oh, we're going to kill Nightwing. And the same thing with The Flash and Wally West and and Stephanie Brown and and Cassandra Cain, all these these characters. Put on on your manager hat for a second. Does that fall under the dysfunction of absence of trust? No, here's what you do. No. Okay, uh, both. Here is what you do. Here is what you do if you are a company that is being run as a company. You say, we cannot comment on Wally West at this time because Uh we do not make forward-looking statements that could impact the financial situation of this company. That is what you always say. You do not deviate from that. And when you're ready to announce something, then you announce something. And I think that's the biggest mistake that the comic book publishing industry makes is they do not follow. And I know it's a, and and a lot of people, it's like, why the hell would you do that? You've never been to a professional. I mean, I'm not saying DC and Marvel and these are not professionals, but if I go to Adobe and I used to sit down and, uh, with Adobe all the time, when I go to Apple, when I go in and sit down with Avid or I go down and sit down, down with Maxon or whoever these companies are, and I say, so can we expect this change in the next quarter? The answer is, and as you can tell, the robot kicks on. We cannot make forward, like we cannot come in on forward looking, looking statements. That's all, that's all Dan DiDio has had to have said for the last 12 years when they killed but, off Stephanie Brown. I'm not going to make a comment on this time. Keep reading the comics and maybe it will come back or maybe it will see, be addressed as opposed but, to, nah, we're not going to do that. Bleh, Dan, I hate Stephanie Dan Brown. Dio is primarily a fan, which is why the decisions that we see being made that are inexplicable are being made. Dan DiDio and Jeff Johns and Jim Lee make decisions based on what they think is best. What they think is best is based on Jeff Johns knows that Barry Allen is the quote unquote one true flash. Jim Lee knows that Voodoo and Stormwatch and Grifter are just as strong a properties as Deathstroke and the Teen Titans and Superman. And Dan DiDio knows that he's not going to be some stuck up, you know, stuffed shirt saying, we cannot comment at this time. He's yeah, gonna I'm be, cool, you guys. Yeah, he's going to be the slap on the back. Yeah, he's going to be well met. Yeah, he's going to he's going to be that guy that says, ah, Stephanie Brown, nobody likes her. She's a girl. <laughs> yeah. That's what he's going to do. And he's going to come off like a dick. So what these companies need to do, what the publishers need to do is they need to get their PR it's, people in line. PR they need to. And the PR people that they do have need to get their acts together. And I know this is probably going to get some yeah. uh, some slack well, on this. No, you know, but what, their PR you know people need is, to though, do some like, some control of their creators and say this is what you can yeah. talk about this and is what you cannot talk about and that's what it is it's actually a chain of command issue yep. because um when you as a company hire a pr person you as the boss have to say what the pr person tells you to say right yep. if the pr person says whatever you do don't piss off any women or minorities when you go out there boss right. and you still go out and say yeah. something awful like because you're the boss and ain't right. nobody don't nobody tell you what oh, to say. Oh, and hey, I 
I'm, I make this mistake all the time. We just 20 minutes ago, we were talking about statues. Those are forward looking yes. statements about what we're doing. I'm comfortable I, with that. I, I almost brought that up. I know. No. And I understand. I understand. I was, that, but I you're not hearing me. This. You're not hearing me tell you about the big news that's coming that I cannot comment on because it right. is a forward looking statement. This is, you know, the stuff that I talked about on the VIP live chat with the uh, with the Munchkin stickers and the the statue things. These are things that we're exploring and we need your help on. Right. The other things that are coming down, I will not comment on, and it'll probably be three months after it happens before I comment on it. But DC and Marvel and Dark Horse and to a lesser degree, Dark Horse, I should say, but even, you know, Dynamite and your IDW, these are what I would term as creative entities, meaning that there's kind of an expectation that somehow a business perspective and a creative perspective have to be different. That the business person is George Pippard's stuffed shirt and the creator is necessarily manic pixie dream girl Audrey Hepburn coming in, taking him to breakfast at Tiffany's and having a Big Mac or whatever is that. I haven't actually seen that movie, so I don't know. But when you break it down, there you're right. They do need to have at least a different expectation that, yes, we can be fun and we can be you know we can deal with these things and we can all wink and nod when i say oh well you know that barry allen sure is dead that barry allen sure is dead and was dead for 23 years Mm -hmm. but when the story came around that worked when grant morrison said let's bring him back and jeff john said hell yes let's launch him in his own title when they do that that's a point where the creative side is making a decision based on whatever factors they have Now, you've got 23 years of somebody saying, well, Barry Allen's dead and will never come back. You know, when people say Bucky was dead and was supposed to never come back. Well, yes, but Bucky died in 1964 and stayed mostly dead until 2004. A 40-year run of being dead is a pretty good run of being dead. There are now more post-dead Bucky stories than there are pre-dead Bucky stories. So when you look at it from the perspective of today's reader, we go in with an expectation that, oh, well, nobody's really ever dead except mm-hmm. for Uncle Ben and, and you know, Mr. and Mrs. Wayne. They're dead as a story trope. Yeah, yeah. They are dead as a mechanism to make young Bruce Wayne crazy, go nuts, la la la, put on a pointy hat, run out and beat people up. But if you look at, say, the Kyle Rayner situation where – Hal Jordan was dead for 12 years. Kyle Rayner during the interim jumps in and says, I sure am Kyle Rayner. And the response went, we hate you, Kyle Rayner. And then they went, we're warming up to you, Kyle Rayner. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then they went, we love you so much, Kyle Rayner. We don't want to see Hal come back. Mm -hmm. And so what did they do? They split the difference when Hal came back. Hal and Kyle were both around. And Kyle bounced from thing to thing. Until somebody remembered that, oh, yeah, there are 3,000 Green Lanterns in the universe. Mm -hmm. So we can have more than one. You can't necessarily do that with every character. And when it comes to it, I think that too soon is a function of, I don't want to say 100% fan response, because fan response is not 100%. Fans, on the whole, can be very dogmatic. We can be a little uh, astigmatic as well, where we don't necessarily it can also be see. asthmatic too. Yeah. Uh, automatic, hydromatic, 
why we might be Grease Lightning. But the point is, Grease Lightning, that's a flash joke. When you look at the response, it's going to be history written by the victors, for mm-hmm, lack of a better mm-hmm, word. Mm-hmm. Wally West's decedents was not successful, not just because the fans didn't like it, but because it was not driven by anything other than we can't have Wally around anymore if Barry's going to be the one to Flash. Right. Wally taking on the role of Flash after Barry died, while Jay was still active as another Flash, it worked because yeah. the story gave us a reason well, why Barry got in a situation where he gave up mm-hmm. his life. And Brian's child tells us he makes the ultimate sacrifice. Yes. Um, Rodrigo, I change topic here real quick. Um, okay. I doing, I'm doing an interesting search here. Who is, oh, more, God. Who, I'm using Google trends, which is fascinating. If you go Ooh. in and start messing around with these things, Ew. who is more popular of these three characters? Do you think wonder woman, black widow, or Batgirl? Oh, that's a that's a good question. I'm gonna say uh, I'm gonna say Wonder Woman. You are correct. Wonder Woman actually has a higher average interest over time than Black Widow mm-hmm. by one point. Wow, that's closer. And, unless unless reason- unless it's like Richter orders of magnitude. And that's huge. No, no, no. I, it, it's on a scale of, uh, I think, one to 100. Oh, okay. um, so as I'm looking at the trending lines, you have Black Widow and Wonder Woman's lines intertwined almost completely until March of 2011 when Wonder Woman spiked and then it dropped back down. And then you had Black Widow spike in May of 2012 because of the Avengers movie. Uh, and then it backed back down. And right now, Wonder Woman uh, in the current trend is uh, higher than than Black Widow. Uh, I'm going to bet mainly because of the m- more recent uh, right, Wonder Woman news. Yeah. Right. Batgirl, way down at the bottom. She has a uh, average of six interest over time. So, no, I don't know if if people who make decisions look at these kinds of things. But if you say you can't make a Wonder Woman movie and she's as popular or more popular than Black Widow and Black Widow... Did a fantastic job in Avengers. Has, a, has that has that huge boost behind her of the Avengers movie? Yeah. yeah. How can you not say that no, we have no interest in making a Wonder Woman movie, or we can't figure no. out how to make I Wonder Woman work? The 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 issue there is one that you know we've talked about on the show before. You know the 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 issue is that they're not they're 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 looking at Batman at a Batman shaped hole. And trying yeah. to fit Wonder Woman in there, and right. it doesn't fit. And they're saying, right. "How do you write this movie? Like she's made out of clay. How do you kill her parents? You know, right. like that's that's what they're thinking." Uh, not to mention that there's this huge long line of movies of action movies that have you know white male protagonists, mm-hmm. and a lot of those have made a lot of money. There is a small line of movies that have female protagonists of any color right. that are action movies. And a lot of those haven't made a lot of money. But so they look at those and they say, well, those don't sell. Like right. women, women don't actually have eyes right. as far as we yeah. know to watch yeah. movies. They're, they're right? not saying we can't make this movie. They're saying we don't know how to market 
monetize, merchandise, and secondary influence this movie into the media. They're saying, we don't know how to sell a toy on this. We don't they, know how to make people buy man. you know, the, the underoos and the hats and the cheese and Spider-Man shoes. When you look at, and I'm going to say this again, this is an argument that I go back and forth on that I keep returning to. 1989, they made a Batman movie and it was huge. Mm-hmm. 1990, they made a Dick Tracy movie and it was received, treated, and actually made as though it were a sequel to Batman. And ever since then, that Batman movie has been kind of a template. Yeah. Until probably, I want to say 2000, when did Iron Man come out? Nine, okay. eight, somewhere That is there. really the first movie that does not have, it does have some, but it does not have what I consider to be a super strong influence of Tim Burton's yeah. dark Bat- Batman movie. Mm-hmm. That's the point mm-hmm. where our zeitgeist, for lack of a better word, starts to change. Uh, Rodrigo, another trending question. Who trends higher, Ant-Man or the Wasp? Oh, I would say Ant-Man at this point. Ant-Man does indeed trend higher than the Wasp. Just because literally, I mean, that's what we're talking about. The Wasp was not mentioned. Uh, Who trends higher? And this is all based on searches, right? Not Mm -hmm. on, you know, things, searches and search results. Yeah, this is just Google search results. Right. Uh, Who trends higher, Ant-Man or Batgirl? Ooh. I'm going to say Ant-Man. I'd say Batgirl. Right now, um, Ant-Man trends, well, just in the last six months, his his trend has gone up. Uh, Ant-Man's trending at 16, Batgirl at 8, right, uh, in this last month. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay. Who trends higher then? And again, I, you know the answer, Ant-Man or Wonder Woman. Wonder- and the answer is Wonder Woman. Right. Black Widow, all trend higher than Ant-Man. Nobody knows who Ant-Man is. Yes, but if that were the case, and based on searches of people are like, what the hell is this Ant-Man? Clickety, 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 click. You would expect his trending number to be much, much, much higher than Wonder Woman or Black Widow. But it's not. I think... There's... That might have have been the case two years ago, because I bet you that's what happened with Thor. You mm -hmm. were like, who the hell is this Thor guy? Click, 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 click. But right now, there's actually enough superhero stuff in the media that people are like, eh, I can probably skip an Ant-Man movie. Thor spikes again this year because of the movie that just came out in November. Uh, Thor has a 100% rank. Wonder Woman has a 41% rank uh, in these trends. Do you know where Wonder Woman trends the most? Tell us. United States, Puerto Rico, the Philippines, Canada, Australia, and Singapore. Philippines. No, those are all the places in order. The Philippines. Uh, Black Widow, United States, Canada, Philippines, Australia, Singapore, United Kingdom. I choose Australia. Yeah. So you win, Matthew. You win. Uh, uh, One final thing. Man, we went really long this week. What can't we make a movie from, Rodrigo? Magic the Gathering announced as being developed uh, as a movie at Fox Studios. Uh, Give me that question again. I kind of lost you. No, it's uh, what uh, basically the uh, title of the topic is what can't we make a movie from? And I give us the example, a Magic the Gathering movie is being developed at Fox Studios. We've already seen Battleship being developed into a movie. Oh, it's oh, it's it's kind of ridiculous uh, to say what can't we make a movie out of and use magic as a as an example. I think. Right, right. 
because because Magic the Gathering has a colossal amount of story to it. That's like saying, what can't we make a movie out of? The like, what's next? The Bible. <laughs> like, I, I mean, it's you know, uh, it's, it's something that literally has just pages and pages and pages and pages of story. To right, it. right, right. It's just people don't know that because all they see is a bunch of nerds playing around right, the table in the cards. Right. Is I mean, and again, we've talked about this before, and I still have, I still hasn't been able to get my head around this because I'm only looking at cards. I'm not seeing the large narrative of these big planeswalkers and their domain and the battles that they have and all the, the Ravnica stuff. I mean, to me, I don't see that when I read the card. So, and I think that's what I think most people who hear this news are like out of a card game. I don't understand. Yeah. You Uh, can infer a lot based on the way the cards are named and the way the, the progressions of the blocks go. I've never read any ancillary media. Well, that's what I'm saying. Is there a lot of that out there beyond uh, the comic book? Magic thing. Uh, there, there is, or there is for a lot of stuff, but a lot of it wasn't, hasn't been successful. Okay. So nowadays they usually launch like something like a novella every mm. couple years, maybe. Okay. Um, that kind of uh, updates the story or or tells you about a, an individual thing, but it is the 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 magic or or the story of Magic the Gathering is hard to extract from the cards. It is. It's very hard. But simultaneously, it's very uh, deep, and that um, kind of allows for all this card generation, right? Right, It's like, if you look at a single magic card, it's like a sphinx, and it's flying, and it's doing all these crazy things. And you're like, ah, yeah, okay, that makes sense for a sphinx to make you have to guess which card your opponent has to throw out, or something Mm -hmm. like that, right? Right, right. Uh, So there's a lot of of that in the cards already. Um, so yeah, them licensing, it's, it's kind of like saying, what are they going to make a movie about next? Dungeons and Dragons? Dungeons and Dragons, what it is, is a bunch of story and then yeah. math on top of it for you to be able to interact with that story. And that's actually also what Magic the Gathering is. Mm-hmm. What I'd love to see from Magic the Gathering is, um, a series of stories where you kind of tell whatever story you want within a shared type of, uh, not necessarily a shared universe tale, but something that ties it all together into kind of like the Jack Ryan movies. There's like 12 of them now. I think, I think the, the problem with something like that is that, uh, the, the game gives planeswalkers a huge amount of power, like yeah. the, the, the storyline. So it's difficult for there to be a shared storyline where like you are constantly have the ability to obliterate entire nations. Right. You throw those guys into arts. the Obi-Wan. You have like Jace, Jace the Windbreaker, and he he comes down, and there's this kid, and he wants to be a planeswalker real bad, but uh, you know Jace is 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 old and drunk and, and out of shape, and mm-hmm. then they they you know I don't know. I there's definitely that. Up. By the way, I will point out that I've already cast a Magic the Gathering yes. movie, and it was you have uh, at majorspoilers.com. And I should point out right. that uh, the Verge, which is a very popular website, pointed to that today. So. Oh, nice. They nice. Yeah. I don't know if they were just misinformed thinking that the article was who has been cast, but they were just, you who know. Who cares? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, wow. I was, like, I was looking at some analytics this afternoon. I was like, what the hell is The Verge pointing to us? Well, wait a minute. That's The Verge. I better go see what they're pointing to. And then, of course, they had uh, way down at the bottom of the page a story on Magic the Gathering the movie. And one of the links in their text was over to Major Spoilers with that uh, 
comics casting couch, comics or gaming nice. couch. All um, right, way articles. to go, three year old article. Hi, yeah. yeah. it, it's worth checking out. You can find out so much over the majorspoilers.com uh, website. Uh, do go over and explore. We hope you like that. You could do us a big favor. And yourself a big favor, if you're wanting to know the latest announcements when we do talk about the site relaunch, or you want to know what's going on with these statues, uh, when we get closer to uh, announce time, I'm not going to make any statements about what we're doing um, with those or who we're working with. Um, But do sign up for the Major Spoilers email list. There's a big orange button right there on the front page. Sign up for free bonus track episode. That'll put you on our mailing list. I'll send you out an email a week that tells you what's going on at Major Spoilers, uh, some things that you may have missed. Um, but you'll also get a free bonus tracks episode where Rodrigo, Rob, and I sit down and provide a commentary commentary track to Star Wars Episode Four: A New Hope. Uh, and it's free just for signing up for that email list. I know a number of you have already done it. Thank you. We'd like to get more of you to sign up. We're not going to spam you in your email. Uh, but uh, do us and yourself a favor and sign up for that major spoilers email list. Okay, I think that wraps it up for this issue. We've gone really long. Thank you for listening. Thank you for being part of the Major Spoilers experience. Thank you for spreading the word. Thank you for sharing. Thank you for linking to our articles wherever and whoever you are. Next week, we're going to be taking a look at Scalped Volume 1 from Vertigo Comics. Why? Because we know that you love comics. We do too. And we will talk with you real soon. If you have any questions, comments, topic ideas for future shows, or would like to sponsor a show, send an email to podcast at Majorspoilers.com. Visit Majorspoilers at Majorspoilers.com and be sure to check out the Major Spoilers forum. You can also follow Major Spoilers on Twitter at Twitter.com slash Majorspoilers. Fat Dick's revision of Superman. I could save a few bucks and stand around and read through the covers of the comics on the stand. But although every other page would be backwards, I suppose, I could still read the evens and the odds. Well, I don't know. Guess I haven't thought this all the way through. Plus, as soon as the comic book store guy knew, he kicked my butt out on the corner. What a major spoiler, what a major spoiler. When you think about a better way, if I was hulking green or gray, I could just bust through that brick wall, take their comic books away. But then the little meat would deal with all the tanks and bombs and guns. Have you ever tried to read a series with all that going on? Guess I need to rethink this plan. How would I back and board my comics with such huge hands? Guess I already told ya. What a major spoiler, what a major spoiler, yeah, 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 what a major spoiler, what a major spoiler. If I'm Stark Raven, it's like a man of iron, I might not be surprised to find that I might actually have the heart cold to follow an entire storyline. Would I really even need to read upon all those escapades? I mean, who needs such distractions when your sister's such a babe? But the downside is such a beast. Shot up in a fun be in the middle east with a king santo and soldier what a major spoiler what a major spoiler yeah 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 what a major spoiler wow 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 what a major spoiler